right, welcome to another episode of Rolling Home Podcast. Today I'm here with my friend Matt. I'm also Matt's also my coworker and friend. And so Matt, why don't you go ahead and just uh, uh, say a little bit more about who you are? And I highly encourage our listeners to check out your website and and buy some photographs from you because they they truly are amazing. So yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, yeah, so uh, MattUsman.com, just my name. Uh, I do have a uh, shop section there. You can just kind of go th- scroll through all the photos. Uh, underneath each photo is just uh, a size and a price right next to it. Um, I don't have a full kind of uh, uh, delivery or order system. It's pretty much just contact me by email or really any method, and I can always deliver it uh, to your door or meet up somewhere. But so this isn't like a normal camera that you point at the sky and take a picture of this is like through a telescope you'd use the camera or right yeah exactly so uh, typical cameras uh, will use lenses to uh, focus the light with uh, astrophotography it depends on what telescope you use but I use a uh, what's called a Newtonian telescope mm-hmm. and they strictly use mirrors instead of lenses so lenses are just like chunks of glass just polished down uh, where I use mirrors uh, kind of a, a concave uh, mirror, kind of like a bowl shape. And so the light from wherever, if it's depending on what target you're looking at, if it's a really faint object like uh, a galaxy or a nebula or uh, maybe it's something really bright like uh, the moon, uh, all of that light comes down, hits the primary mirror, which is kind of like a bowl shape, and it gets uh, shot back up towards the center of the mirror. And then there's a secondary mirror at a uh, 45 and that shoots it perpendicular into the camera, into the sensors, and that's where uh, all the data is registered. And I guess that's what we call a photograph. Wow. I don't know if I understand that 100%, but it, <laughs> I know the end result is some amazing photographs. And Right, yes. It, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, you, know, a, you know, that's pretty much what I described is probably like 5 or 10% of really what the hobby is really completely about. And, uh, uh, there's other different types of telescopes. You got uh, Cassegrain's, which will have kind of a higher magnification. Uh, you got uh, refractors, which is just pretty much a, a, a much larger lens than uh, a typical point and shoot. So just just pretty much a larger lens with that. And then a Newtonian, uh, which I have, which I described. And then you'll have Dobsonians, which is like a Newtonian, but it's stretched out longer, has a longer uh, focal length, um, and is strictly for uh, just, just observing, so not photographing, just observing with the eye. Okay, I see. And another thing you've been doing is live streams on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And Done a couple. Um, when there's certain events in the sky, you so the comet was just by here, and I've been calling it Comet Newsy. Is that am I saying it right? Uh, Neowise. Neowise. Okay. Yeah. Comet Neowise just flew by, and I know you did a live stream about that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a meteor event. You did. Uh, yeah, the Perseid me- meteor shower. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, so I did the, the first ever live stream. It was just kind of like a, you know, a friend was like, hey, like, you know a lot about this stuff. Like, have you tried doing a, a live stream? And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, I stutter too much, you know, and everything. I say, uh, a lot. And yeah, I, I pretty much went with it. And, you know, if I screw up, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't care. It's, you know, a bunch of friends just watching anyway. And went with it. I, people, allow, you know, people. A lot of people liked it, so I should do more of it. Um, just the other night, I did one for, did a live stream for the Perseid meteor shower, uh, which was the most dependent, reliable uh, meteor shower of the year. Saw a couple of meteors, and then about uh, after midnight, the moon started to rise, and it kind of uh, 
uh, obscures quite a bit of the meteors, but... Made it too bright to yeah. see that, I see. Yeah. So back to Comet Neowise, mm -hmm. one thing that I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they didn't discover this comet until March of this year, right? Mm -hmm. That's when they first discovered it. Yeah. So there could be a comet coming towards Earth, close to Earth, close enough to see, that's six months away and we don't even know yet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, the likelihood of that event happening is extremely rare, but not, you know, not impossible. Not impossible, exactly. Like, there's pretty much two scenarios of what we can do to prevent this from happening. One is to uh, pretty much hunker down. Pretty much there's nothing we can do, hunker down, and to see what the damage will be. Second, You're talking about if a comet would hit. If it or, would hit, right. right. So like we see it, oh my gosh. We, as of right now, we have no capability of uh, diverting this uh, if, an, if an object was coming towards us. We, would have, we have, right now, we have no investment in it. Uh, we, can, we can observe it, uh, but that's about it. Um, the second uh, option is to what everybody uh, wants to do is nuke it. Uh -huh. And that could actually make it worse. You would uh, possibly cause a shotgun effect. Uh, so you would spray shrapnel all over the planet instead of just hitting one, one, spot. one spot, right? Um, but there is uh, different theories of how we could uh, nuke, <laughs> nuke the, uh, the comet is actually uh, detonate the, the nukes a couple hundred uh, miles above uh, the, the comet's surface. This would, the, the, the uh, radiation would heat up the surface of the comet, uh, evaporating whatever water is on the surface, creating geysers, and hopefully those geysers would be enough uh, to, to push the, uh, the comet away. But it, if it were, you know, six months to a year out, I don't know if it'd be enough. But, yeah. I mean, the U.S. and Russia have quite a bit of nukes, so ah. <laughs> maybe it would work. <laughs> Well, that's all above my pay grade, but I'm glad there's smart people like you. But that mm. did fascinate me that we hadn't known about this comet for... I, I guess I live under this false sense of security mm. that what's asteroids, comets, all that stuff, we have a pretty good map of them and we know what's coming, but... <laughs> and, yeah, and we do have... Uh, NASA does have, um, uh, along with uh, the UN and other neighboring countries, uh, have an organization set up uh, that observe, they look for near-Earth objects, that's what we call them. And a lot of these objects that uh, have a, a really close trajectory are normally years and years out. Okay. So, you know, we look at an object and we pretty much pin it, because we, right away we, couldn't, we can't tell, we can't predict its orbit. So we pretty much pin it and we wait a couple hours until it moves across the background of the stars and we pin it again and there we can get an idea of its orbit but you, you just gotta keep watching it. And if you have a much longer period of observation time with mm -hmm. the, the object, uh, you can get a much more accurate orbit of it. And then with that, you can pretty much have uh, models and they'll, they'll tell you like, oh yeah, it's gonna come really, really close to Earth or it's gonna hit Earth, do something about it. Right. Right. Um, Our listeners are probably wondering what this has to do with camping and RVing. Mm -hmm. and Maybe there's an angle that, you know, if you had a camper and RV and you wanted to get away, you could jump in your camper and RV and head somewhere to, to get out of the ground zero. But, yeah. uh, but that's not the angle. What, what I think is really fascinating, Matt, is Elon Musk is 
putting these satellites in orbit that you first kind of turned me on to um, mm -hmm. because you can see them in the night sky and it's just like one after the other, like a train of, mm -hmm. of satellites. It's really cool to see when, if you happen to catch that in the night sky. And, you know, I found out from talking to you that the reason for all these satellites is for high speed internet yep. that would be available anywhere, anywhere on planet earth. Yep. So right now I know from my experience, I just took my boys camping a few weeks ago and it was actually kind of nice. We got out of cell phone range, and so they weren't able to be on their electronics mm -hmm. because none of their games worked. And exactly. um, so it's kind of nice to get away from it all. But I also think, um, you know, more and more people are working from their homes, and they don't have to be at a certain spot within four walls. They, you know, with the internet, they can be anywhere as long as they have a good internet connection. Yep. And I think that opens, if there was high-speed internet available everywhere that opens up the world of camping and RVing to a lot more people. Yep. Um, or people that do camp and RV, it you know, gives them much greater convenience because they know they're gonna be able to you know, use their navigation app, use, stay in contact with their people wherever they are. So that's what I think might be a game changer for, for a lot of people in the, the world of RVing and camping. Um, so I guess my question to you, because you understand, you're cutting edge as far as I'm concerned about mm -hmm. um, what's coming down the pipeline with that. So we'll be able to have high-speed internet. Will we have like a, a satellite dish on top of the RV? Um, is that? Yeah, so pretty much like if you have DirecTV or dish or some sort of satellite uh, TV, uh, it'll pretty much be the same exact thing. Um, you just stick a dish, pretty much point it straight up and the satellites will, will fly over. Obviously, we won't be able to see it during the daytime, the satellites, but uh, the satellites will fly over. The uh, satellites connect with these, uh, uh, satellite, or the dish connects the satellites as they fly over. Uh, now, they're in low Earth orbit, so uh, they'll fly over pretty quick. Uh, but then the next one will be right behind it, and the next one will be right behind it. So you have this constant uh, connection um, where DirecTV and DISH have one geostationary uh, satellite that's way, way, way out there. It's about uh, 22,000 mi uh, yeah, 22, miles out, and it orbits at the same rate as the Earth rotates. So it covers one area of the globe constantly. I see. So that's kind of why like your dish never moves. It's always pointing, at least uh, in our location, uh, towards the south, kind of at a, ooh, like a 30 degree angle, because that's where the satellite is. Uh -huh. Uh, but so with these low Earth uh, satellites, what they're called Starlink satellites, is uh, they are zooming across the sky. And uh, the, the CEO founder, Elon Musk, hasn't given us too much description of what the dish, how it's going to operate, is it going to have to move. Uh, if it has to move, it's moving parts, and those parts will wear out, and you're going to have to come out and serve, you know, somebody's going to have to come out and service, that's money. You know, we, we don't know exactly yet, he hasn't given us any information about it. But the goal is to have an enormous grid uh, of satellites around the globe. Uh, as of right now, uh, there's plan to have uh, 12,000 satellites in low Earth orbit. Uh, to put that into perspective, uh, since Sputnik, the first ever satellite uh, that got into orbit, to pretty much now, well, since uh, before the first uh, satellite launch or uh, Starlink launch, there's been around 7,000 satellites from that. You know, wow. period, you know, centuries or uh, uh, decades. And 
Elon wants to pretty much almost double that in just in the next couple of years. So he's going to put up 10,000 satellites of his own. Yeah, yeah, 10,000, 12,000 uh, uh, satellites. And he's doing it. You might ask, how, how can somebody even afford that, right. right? Well, he has his own company called SpaceX that will launch the satellites for him. Obviously, it's his own company. And Elon's rockets are something that humanity has never seen before. They're reusable. Where normally, like example, the space shuttle would pretty much throw everything away. The two solid rocket boosters, the white boosters on the side would jettison, fall into the ocean. The orange, uh, orange external fuel tank would burn up the atmosphere once it was done. The only thing that was reused was the shuttle. Well, it turns out if you look at the numbers, when the shuttle would come back down, they would need to refurbish it. And the cost of refurbishment was the same as pretty much building a new space shuttle. Uh -huh. So it was reusable, but, it, but uh, uh, in a sense, but the cost was astronomical, where uh, Elon's rockets, they come up, they put the payload in orbit, they come back down, they land, they refurbish it a little bit, which he hasn't given too much uh, uh, information on how much it costs to refurbish it. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, it saves him an enormous amount of money. There's uh, an, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, the richest man in the world, also uh, has an internet uh, company. He's, he's starting a low Earth orbit, just like Starlink, uh, called Project Kuiper. And, wow, okay, I didn't uh, know that. He's coming out uh, with his own launch vehicle uh, called New Glenn. Uh, this is pretty much just a mock-up of uh, Elon's rocket called the Falcon 9. Uh, pretty much kind of copying, copycatting him. No kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty much, I, I think it's pretty good for, for the Starling company because it'll add a little bit of competition to it. Sure. Uh, we've had another company called OneWeb uh, that was launching their own satellites. They would pretty much get funding for, from investors, have a company build the satellites, and then have Roscosmos, the uh, uh, Russian version of NASA, launch them, and they went bankrupt. Oh. Uh, so it's very expensive. Pretty much you have to have your own rocket company in order to do a mega constellation like Starlink. And so pretty much back to the RVing, uh, in the next probably two to three years, uh, camping and RVing, completely different. You won't even recognize it. So how would this compare? Like I have cable internet right now, charter mm -hmm. internet. It's pretty fast. My Kids can play video games and, you know, we can stream video, whatever, and watch Netflix and do everything we do with no interruption. Will this compare, be as fast, be... Yeah, so the goal is to uh, have it just as fast or maybe just a tad faster. Really? Uh, yeah, so fiber optic cable, which, nor, um, which, which is what connects everybody, um, pretty much uses the speed of light to uh, transmit information. Now, fiber optic has a little bit of a delay because... Uh, the light bounces up and down uh, across the, the cable, so that causes quite a bit of a delay. And when I mean quite a bit, I mean... Milliseconds. Right, exactly, <laughs> milliseconds. Um, but with Starlink, they're direct line of sight, and it'll be in a vacuum. So uh, it'll hopefully be a little bit quicker, uh, which, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it wouldn't really matter much anyway, because uh, we don't have internet at all. Uh, when you're RVing, or at least if you're in an area that doesn't have LT service. Right. Um, good example, like where I live, uh, we have copper wire, okay. and it's insanely slow. Oh. So the second Starlink is available, we're switching over to that right away.
So we're still waiting to see what what the hardware on the receiver end looks yeah. like. The yeah, Elon the described dish or it the, right. Elon described it as a UFO and a stick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much a like a like a bowl almost with just a stick. Do we know how big? Like same size as like the old uh, uh, like direct TVs type dishes like that? Yeah, he said about the size of a medium pizza box. Oh, okay. So it's, yeah, pretty, pretty so, small. Right. Uh, manageable. And another another thing is, you know, if you're in an RV or on the on the road, would you be able to stick this dish on top and get internet while on the move? Right. Not sure yet. Um, that might impede the vibrations from being on the road, uh, and I'm not sure how the dish might need to be stationary in order to connect with the satellites. Okay. So if you're constantly moving plus the vibration, it might throw the satellites off. But uh, Elon hasn't said anything about it yet. Um, they have, there has been rumors of uh, what the cost of it will be. Mm -hmm. So like out in rural areas, uh, you have really low internet speeds and it costs a fortune. Mm -hmm. um, but Elon and uh, the, the president, Glenn Shotwell, uh, SpaceX, has hinted at around 50 bucks a month. Which is the which is, same or even less than, right. than what I'm paying for a cable. Right, so cross my fingers, that's the case. Right. <laughs> but yeah. What about the capacity of this, um, like in a big metropolitan area? Are they gonna be able to service a big metropolitan area? Yeah, so the goal of Starlink is just rural areas. Okay. So they're not gonna, even gonna have services uh, available for uh, you know, New York, Chicago areas, like, no, like, their speed will be pretty much the same speed as Starlink. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, I, like, even I think, like, small towns might have, uh, might be able to have the service. Um, you know, larger towns, probably not. It's, okay. Yeah. Huh. At least not to begin with. Eventually, right. this is probably the way it's going to go, right. I would think, so. Right. Well, that's fascinating, Matt. Mm -hmm. Um what else, anything else you can think of? Um, you know, I think another angle that is fascinating would be people that live the, the camping and RV lifestyle are probably curious about stargazing. Mm -hmm. I know you, uh, you kind of helped me out when I, the comet was coming by and I got some binoculars mm -hmm. out and was able to find it through the binoculars. And, yeah. um, any, any advice or, or tips or tricks you could give the, the camper RV if they want to do some stargazing on you know, maybe some inexpensive binoculars or, or a telescope or... Yeah, so if you're really gonna get into astrophotography or just wanna have a nice pair of binoculars just to look at the planets or even uh, the moon, I mean, you know, pretty much go on Amazon. Uh, the more expensive, the higher quality the glass will be of the uh, binoculars mm -hmm. uh, that you're gonna purchase. But in the grand scheme of things, I mean, at least when I was in school, the professors would tell you, you know, if you go on Amazon and buy uh, like a $20 telescope, you'll get a view, but it might not be the highest quality right. uh, view. But yeah, kind of the more expensive, probably the better. Obviously, don't try not to get ripped off. But. Right, right. <laughs> Another thing that you've turned me on to is, um, I think you talked to me about this, but I have an app on my phone called mm -hmm. Starwalk 2, I think it is, mm -hmm. where I can point my phone at the night sky and mm -hmm. then it'll point out the different um, constellations. Constella there you yeah. go. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And I've used it a little bit. It's pretty cool. Is that is Starwalk 2 the app you recommend? Is there? Yeah. So I actually, I have the, the first Starwalk 
Um, I've had it for, I think, like almost 10 years now. That was the first app that really got me uh, hooked on um, pretty much discovery in the night sky, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're young, you really want to just pretty much look at the, uh, the, the vastness and the infinite of, of, of uh, the night sky and really what's out there, you know, galaxies, nebulous, star clusters. You know, they uh, tell, obviously tell you the phases of the moon, where the planets are. Uh, they even added uh, where certain satellites are, so you could watch the space station fly over. Uh, actually, uh, just lately, uh, SpaceX put two uh, astronauts, Bob and Doug, up, up to the space station. And as they undocked, as they were finishing their mission, the space station was going to fly over. And you can actually see Bob and Doug in their capsule uh, just ahead of the space station as they were kind of uh, passing over uh, southern Wisconsin, which I've never seen before. It was definitely like on my bucket list of things to look or right. to see. And so I could check that off. It was so super, you were super able difficult. to see that through your telescope? Not even, just, just my eyes. So yeah, like if you get Starwalk or Starwalk 2, most likely they'll have a, a satellite tracking. Uh -huh. And uh, the best times to see it are about an hour before, uh, before sunrise and an hour after sunset. Okay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good way. And, and then you can even like, I think sign up for like nasa.gov. We'll even have like, they'll send you an email notifications like oh space station fly over your area right at this time right but uh, and, and that's it, pretty neat when it flies over because yeah. it it's like a satellite but really bright yeah like, so it's like a really bright star just yeah. moving across the sky right really quick and it's only like a couple of minutes so you really gotta you know time it uh, uh quick well cool matt well thank you so much for yeah. being here and taking time out of your day and schedule um one more time why don't you plug your facebook your website mm -hmm. your artwork go ahead yeah, uh, so if you want to print uh, or just view any of my images that I take through a telescope, I also do uh, landscape, uh, storms, uh, storm fronts that come through. It's at uh, mattuselman.com. Uh, I, I, I guess my Facebook is probably the best uh, way to contact me or email me, which is just my full name, Matthew Uselman. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. What was the email again, Matt Uselman at? Uh, Matt Useman Photography at gmail.com. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, thanks.